0: with it. Just give it to me straight. There was one point when I was engaging with a person who was saying to me, shame on you, shame on you. And I didn't combat what they were saying. What I said was, you know, you're right. We knew nothing about that person's story. We knew nothing what was going on behind the scenes.
1: And we took a human being and we trampled the hell all over.
2: We sit in the same room, at least hear each other out. Right, You know, and begin, you know, not that they have to agree, not that they have to change minds and things like that, but just have civil conversations with each other. So
1: you're telling me there's a chance.
2: Yeah!
1: What's up, Pastor With No Answers listeners? If you're listening for the first time, I'm talking to you too. You're a listener of this podcast. At least you are right now. Guys, welcome. And honestly, if you are in one of those seasons where the holidays are cranking up, everybody's happy, that spirit is in the air, but that spirit brings you a heavy feeling of sadness because of loss or just how this year or the past few have shaped up, man, hey, I hope you can find a little more peace this year than what you are anticipating. I have my annual morning during the holidays episodes coming up in a few weeks for some camaraderie, solidarity, love you guys, thoughts and prayers are with you, I'm thankful for something, this is one of those defining PWNA kind of episodes, just three dudes dreaming of all kinds of Christians coming together and, and unified by love, man. The progressive kind, the conservative kind. Don't you love all these labels? We're sick of the polarity, and we're willing to try to make anything work. I mean, let me put it this way. If you're not willing to be uncomfortable in a conversation with people who say things that maybe make some emotions rise up that's a little uncomfortable, if you're not willing to do that, you may be not trying hard enough. I'll tell you, this conversation was not hard at all, because we all agreed. Yeah. Brian Elaine. He has been working with Diana Butler Bass, Brian McLaren, Shane McKnight, and some others to write and come up with, I'll call it a movement. It's called How to Heal Our Divides.com. It's one contributing movement to a major movement. On this earth, Uh, I don't know if it's a fragment, I don't know if it's a small group, I'm hoping it's a lot larger than what I think, but group of Christians trying to bring us together. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on this too. Got an online community... We're trying to put our middle fingers in the air to the polarity and anything that would take our eyes off of love. And it's kind of neat. We've got people from all over the belief spectrum together focusing on love, seeking truth together. If you want to keep up with the updates on that and maybe be a part of when that door is open, you can go ahead and subscribe to bearw.me. That's B E A R W.me. Would love to keep you posted. So I don't know if you have my upbringing, but if you did, my friend, everything you know was separated into two different categories as a Christian young man. Everything was in one or of these two categories as Christian and secular. I mean, you eating frankenberry cereal. That's secular. You're communica- is Frankenstein, you're communicating to the dead. That's a secular cereal. Let's move on down the cereal list of lucky charms. I'm blessed, not lucky. Okay, secular cereal. Mario Brothers, they eat mushrooms and grow. That's magic. That's a secular video game. <laughs> People don't care much about these words anymore. And thank you, Lord. It was so embarrassing. I'd have friends over from the neighborhood and then my one youth group buddy. And someone's listening to Pearl Jam, and my little youth group buddy says, is this a secular band? Because I'm not allowed to listen to secular bands. And your friends look at all of you like you're crazy. They don't know what's going on. (laughs) And sometimes I reminisce, and I get stuck in those thoughts. I was thinking, is this podcast a Christian podcast or a secular podcast? Am I a Christian podcaster? I mean, I've got like Christian content, but I rarely give all glory and honor to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, does that make me secular? What about a podcast that focuses on the hobby of taking pictures of your TV screen paused at cool times during the show Shit's Creek? And they open up with prayer every episode of their podcast. Are they Christian? Are they secular? And I'm telling you, man, it's killing me. It's killing me because I've come to the revelation that almost everything in my life, it's like secular. I mean, my pillow doesn't have a Christian pillowcase on it. Secular pillowcase, man. My car this morning, secular. I even had secular music playing in the car. We're having secular chicken tonight because we're not getting it from Chick-fil-A. So this podcast, I don't know. I mean, many would be all over the map in their assessment, and that suits me just fine. I'm going to be a little optimistic. I'm usually not when it comes to these things. But I'm going to say the decrease in our fixation with the word secular and Christian may be due to us seeing God a little bigger. Like, maybe God made the secular stuff two maybe satan didn't make that stuff and god made it all <laughs> hey so a few things i want to make sure you guys know time is running out to get in on the collection plate here, giving a uh, Pastor with No Answers podcast. It's kind of the, it's kind of the main one. Everything else is just adding to it. It's the, it's the full package, and you can get it now for five dollars for the rest of the year. Lock yourself into that five dollars though forever, because in January it will be eight dollars from that point on. Patrons get their own podcast feed, some exclusive stuff, but also some episodes that right when I record them, they go to your podcast feed, unedited, unfiltered, just right as we had the conversation. You got your own community to talk things with, uh, content about this podcast, and we have donor see We support an online giving platform that helps families all over developing countries. We actually just supplied food for a family with many children, a single mother. They just sustained themselves through two floods, but supplies are running short. And check this out. If you listen to this podcast and you are also contributing to this podcast, you are contributing goodness to this world. I mean, people, a family, are they're eating now with food galore because you listen to this podcast and you chip in a little change every single month. I love that, man. I love that. Hey, I said this is a classic PWNA episode because of the main content. Well, the intro content with Ellen and Matt, it's also classic PWNA conversation because... I use the P word a lot and I'll be honest with you. I didn't mean to use it so much, but I did because that's what we're talking about. But I made some bleeps. I made some edits because you know what? We've got grandmas that listen to this uh, podcast and I'm being absolutely serious. I know that can be a very offensive word. I wouldn't have used the word so much, but once again, that was the content. So once again, surprise, surprise, Go ahead and flip on over to your baby Einstein's podcast. Uh, You know, actually, if your kids listen to baby Einstein, they're probably young enough to listen to this podcast and it just goes in one ear, not the other. You know, you probably you're not risking much. Hey, I love you guys. I do hope you enjoy this episode. And here is Ellen and Matt Oxley before we get into our unity in the church conversation. Alan, do you get nervous when I bring Priscilla up on the podcast? When I like bring her up, like, do you get, you start getting nervous that I'm going to say something that I regret?
3: Hey, it's your marriage, man.
1: <laughs> wow, what a friend you are. <laughs> hey, you guys, you say something, piss her off, gets a divorce, that's your marriage. Wow. Okay, now I see where Ellen stands I just, in my life.
3: I, I think she should be represented more, but I think that's maybe where I come in. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: There There is definitely some checks and balances. It's very healthy for me, so for sure. Well, we, we were at some friend's house, and uh, he's been on this podcast a a lot but it was God,
3: in, is this gonna be another race uh, like a racist joke uh
1: no it's gonna be all about females and respect for females bodies and not demeaning the parts of your bodies that's all it's about not that nothing big okay. nothing
3: just just need to prepare yeah, myself heavy. okay no, no, good no, we're, we're good we're
1: good, good. so where this this friend of mine's named Ryan I nicknamed him country boy he's got the deepest southern accent he's got the manners of a racist redneck but he's got the political views of like the most liberal person you can imagine so it's he's, he's a weird combo we got we got to talking about the word and uh, if you have kids in the car this is where you turn it down because i'm going to use what most people would say is a vulgar word hey this is the part of the podcast i just want to forewarn you a lot of bleeps Because of the P word, I honestly said it so much I was in podcast mode, I wasn't even thinking just how heavy that word is is for people how offensive it is i was just in conversation mode talking about words in general so you'll hear me say it once and then it'll be bleeped a bunch of times except for ellen ellen can say that word she's a woman that word belongs to her just like african americans can say the n word lgbtq community can say the f word and all of that's good stuff it's good I'm just a little bit out of shape that I don't have my word that I can say and none of you MFers can say I don't I don't have that word I guess it's white straight male that's offensive but everybody can say it what's my word that I get that's offensive that I get to say by myself with all white straight males like Cracker or honky, I'm going to bring those back, make those really offensive, and then tell everybody y'all can't use them. I'm clowning around. But we brought up the word pussy. And basically, we talked about how the word, when you call someone a <laughs> that there is no, we may should not say it, but there is no other word that you could even imagine that describes what the word pussy describes when you call someone male or female stop being a all right so here's the thing there was pushback and i get the pushback and i'm i'm always at the mercy of the pushback if you say don't say that's disrespectful to females i'm not saying anymore all right but my pushback was well wait a second there's a female genitalia that represents a derogatory term all right Well, there's a male genitalia that represents a negative term too, and that's we call people dicks. Ellen, you're being a dick right now. You interrupted Matt. How dare you? Matt, I can't believe you said that about her. Quit being a dick. So, all I'm saying is there's no, there's at least no difference there. Now, Females have definitely been treated disrespectfully for a very long time, so I don't mind this whole pendulum swinging. I think it needs to swing heavily, but I don't think that there's anything different than using the word dick to describe male and females that are being jerks and a to male and females that are scared. Okay. Are you mad at me?
3: Being are you a dick. Me? For being a dick. You are
1: mad at me for being a dick?
3: Yes. Was it okay. because he said yes.
4: that the p word so frequently just now? Was that was that uncomfortable? I hate
3: it so much. I hate it so much. There's only one word worse than that it word. It Starts with a c. I will not. Yes.
1: <laughs> See, I'll bleep
3: yeah. that out. <laughs> I think you actually have to I will. bleep that I out. Will.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I love bleeping out words. <laughs> I was actually going
4: to.
3: It's weird, actually, because that that word is more used women. Uh, Towards women.
1: So Right. So Ellen, let me ask you this. Is is would you say the P word? The P word is to a Never. male as the N word is to a white person. Would you say that's not my word to say? Like would you say that's not your word, I can say it?
3: No, that's completely different. About the word punk? That's completely different. Punk's
4: like punk is is kind of it it's meant to be a, yeah. a, a gay derogatory, but Really? Um, yeah. I I found that out the hard way because I was calling someone a punk and I didn't realize it was a slur. I thought it just meant Uh, uh, kind of a wussy person, a punk.
3: That's not as bad as when I told my English teacher in front of the whole class that he was a fudge packer. I had no idea what that meant. No idea what that meant. Uh, And I went to a Christian school. Even better. Yeah, it was real bad. Okay, so here's the thing, Joey. The term pussy is used to mean that someone is weak, right?
1: Okay. So far you've, you've said nothing because I would, I would respond by saying, and Dick means jerk. Go ahead.
3: Okay. Jerk. You can be powerful, successful being a jerk. Okay. Pussy means weak. And that word being used, uh, from a woman's body, uh, that, just prolongs this idea that women are weak so so that's where the difference is
4: they're very strong in fact the the um the amazing things that they can do and they hold children (laughs) that's kind of that's a good argument against the whole idea of equals weak I'm yeah, trying, I keep saying it. I'm sorry. A,
3: that's exactly well, uh, right. For the record, I, if you if you really wanted to use if you really wanted to use the term correctly, you would use it for someone extremely powerful and brave.
4: You should just call weak men balls because they they you're not going to get hit in yeah. those too often <laughs> and be okay with it.
3: Yeah, they're very sensitive, very sensitive, and they really contribute just one thing.
1: All right, so so he, here's the thing. But for the record, I I hundred percent. Uh, agree, but I really think it's more of a cultural thing. Do you?
3: Because it seems like you don't want to be... No, I
1: agree, but I would say it's probably for different purposes. I would say we have just culturally gotten to a point where where we say that is a worse... A wimp is worse than a jerk. So we're basically saying pairing wimp with woman is worse than pairing uh jerk with male and I would say, Yep, you're right. So, so Ellen though, seriously, like what if if I said, Will you please stop using the word dick because it's offensive for me? Like I don't want my body part to be likened to something that's a jerk, would you would you abide by that if I said just please don't use dick no. around
3: me? Well I mean if I I guess if I cared about you a little bit more and I thought that you could actually be harmed by that, maybe, but the difference is we haven't been under, you haven't been under the, the matriarchy for so long.
1: I agree. But then the,
3: it's different,
1: but the, the, the natural conclusion, and I'm not even saying that this may not be a good thing, but the natural conclusion from that though, is you are singling out, you know let's just say white men and uh, again the the big difference here is it doesn't cause me any pain i'm not upset wait, why I am
3: i singling out white uh, why am uh, i singling uh, out uh, white uh, men Be-
1: because you're basically saying it well just men
3: i can't wait to hear this stretch. so
1: just just men there you're basically saying that we we can say things about you we're going to single you out so what what i'm saying is that's not painful for me it never has been I don't I'm not affected by that like other demographics would be, but it is saying we're going to treat you unfairly because we got to punish you for having so much privilege over the years. I mean, that's basically what you're saying is you've had it good for so long now we need to kind of I kind
3: of feel like you not being able to say pussy is I is not Ellen,
4: you're but he is ultimately able to that's the thing it's just your decision whether or not you put up with hearing it all the time like yeah. cancellation is really just a, the a situation where people decide not to be around each other anymore right I
1: don't
3: see you it. but Joey you're talking about guys saying it to other guys us women we just want to be left out of it I don't know why you guys have to use that word. Like, please stop saying that word. It's gross.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's y'all's body my, part, I love right? Dick.
3: And and you know what? I sometimes use "dick" in sort of like a a fond term use, as a fond I term, use sort of like the, the P you word. Such a with dick.
4: Frequently, it's one of my favorite. You do, words. of course.
3: Like use it in a sentence. How would you use I'm that in fondly fun,
1: like- with what you can say oh, and not get cancelled because of your sexual orientation? Like for sure. Well, I can say for faggot sure, and you can't. that's
4: what's that? I can say faggot and you can't. Yes.
1: That but not all gay
4: people are cool with that. But so.
1: you you get you definitely when you podcast, if you were podcasting live right now, you'd be the least nervous
4: person right now. If I think it's going to get me canceled, I'm not going to say it because it's really not in my heart to say, right? Like I don't have any terrible feelings toward anybody that I, I need. Yeah.
3: To that's the thing, Joey. I think that we've talked about like, woke well, culture and cancel culture so much. And what I, what I always hear from you is this, and I know you're playing devil's advocate most of the time, but what I hear from you is this like, but I want to make these jokes, but I want to make. This like sort of racist how? joke, or I want to make this sort of sexist. I hear that too. It's that. Yeah. like, it
1: too. I'm basically <laughs> telling you that I will never okay. use the p word in that context because I understand why it bothers females. Like, I'm not saying, oh, well, I'm just going to say it. I'm not even, gonna, I'm not even saying I want to say it. All I'm saying is let's lo- let's use logic. And it, if- you
3: want me to stop saying dick?
1: No, I don't. No, I don't. I'm saying it would be the same thing. I'm saying saying it would be the same thing. And if you say it's not the same thing for me to say, stop saying dick as you saying, stop saying. If you're saying that's not the same thing, then you're definitely saying we have to keep you guys on the hot seat for a while because y'all have had privilege for so long.
3: Why does each word have to exactly equal? They're different. They have different meanings. They come from different places just because it's a part of women's bodies and a part of men's bodies It does not you don't have to equate everything joey you know what i mean pussy's worse than dick you said it period
4: you said it
1: is is my is my opinion of this offensive yeah offensive if my actions are always to abide by someone's wishes and respect. Like if I say I will always abide by someone's wishes and respect them,
4: are my opinions offensive?
3: No, your opinions are not offensive. They're just wrong.
4: It can't be. Uh, your opinions can't be offensive if you keep them to yourself. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And so it's like, okay, You so let's say I said, please, Joey, just, I don't want to hear that word. Don't hear, say that word around me. It's just sort of like, okay, well, you still could just go around saying it all you want. It's just like, I think it's just, why would you want to, why do you want to say the word?
1: Well, because it goes back.
3: That's, that's what I'm talking about. Well, like with all the jokes and stuff, it's like, but think of like, why do you want to say something that is offensive to anyone?
1: No, I'm with you. That's why, that's why I won't. That's why I won't. Matt, do you, do you ever.
3: Wait, but Priscilla is on board with me, right? I just want to check in
4: here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. She's very reasonable, it seems.
1: (laughs) 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 Matt, do you have – do you – can you give someone that's not – like you just said that you get to say the F-A-G word. Can you give someone clearance – if they're super tight with you, but they're straight, can they?
3: Joey wants. Can to they say get it.
1: Matt Oxley clearance <laughs> that in your household and conversations with you they can say that, or is that off limits? Like, yes, can a black? It is. Can,
4: it is not. Uh, it is not applied universally. It's not a license to walk around. So you can't give. You no. can't give a buddy the. Authority to
3: Joey, what you're asking is if you went to me. Matt's house I don't want to say yes, that you, are.
4: <laughs> I've, I've received yeah, you do, the you wanna say, to so say the N word before. Like in a in a joking way.
3: Well that's I'm not gonna you say would... it.
4: It's not a thing oh no, right. I mean by black people and like it's not a it's not a thing i'm gonna say did you and just say i know black I, people no. you know some black people that's no awesome. i'm saying no I have,
3: he said by you he said i have been given by black clearance
4: by my black, friend. black friends yeah that's the cool. one that i have yeah he yeah, has a black and person. i still would not take that and you know what i think he was testing me i think he was <laughs> trying joey, to have see have you
3: ever had joey how many people of color have you had on your show
4: on, of color mm-hmm. tons
1: I want to just tell you, I guess, a a little bit about Andy and I, Andy, I'm just going to speak for you. Both of us kind of come from, or I don't know, kind of, we come from an evangelical upbringing. Like that's just kind of our our background. That's our family. And both of us would be seen by most of our evangelical families as heretics. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that is why these sorts of discussions are so near and dear to my heart. And, and it, it's ending up being somewhat of a, a theme of, of something that we talk about a lot on this podcast, because I just can't, I can't stop thinking about the the tragedy of there being such division in the church. And yet I don't, I don't know if there's, I really don't know if there's any way around it. Now I do think that we should have a non- cancel policy like don't cancel people like may, maybe maybe even try to cancel their platform temporarily until they like change what yeah but but I just can't see you know I know Jesus flipped tables but I guarantee you if he would have had a one-on-one with one of the dudes whose table he just flipped he wouldn't cancel that person he'd want to get to know that person get to know their story and 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 love them and all that so just just reading about your book I think that what I would like to do with this time is kind of ask questions from a standpoint of how the hell are you guys going to do this? And y'all call it like a practical, I don't think you say step-by-step, but there's like a practical, here's how we're going to do it. I would love to hear this. I would love (laughs) to hear how we do this practically. Uh, Andy, did I I, I speak correctly for you? You did. That sounds, yeah, that was great. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So yeah, I just want to dive right in. And I guess before we do that, Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about how, who are the contributors, just so everybody can hear, and how did you guys all get connected?
2: Sure, sure. Well, thanks a lot, guys, for having me on. I yeah, for sure. really appreciate that. I'm really um, glad to share about this book and this whole project. Um, I mean, first, to answer your question about who some of the contributors are to the book, Some of the folks that are more well-known are people like Brian McLaren, Diana Butler-Bass, Shane Claiborne, Parker Palmer, Michael W. Waters, uh, Mako Fujimura, Frank A. Thomas. Um, And then many of the contributors are leaders of organizations that I selected to include in the book. And the way that I selected them was because what I wanted to do was compile examples of organizations that are actually doing something to heal various types of divides, racial, political, religious, uh, abilities, immigration, you know, etc. I've never seen our country so polarized. Right. And so I felt like, okay, I need to do something in the small little piece of the world that, that I touch to try to address this. And, um, you know, last year during the pandemic, I've been reading more. Reading a lot of good books about several of these topics, but many of them are about the history behind how it became an issue, or trying to convince you that it's an issue, or asking you to look inside yourself and examine your own biases and things like that—all really good topics—but very little written about. Okay, what do we do about it? Right. And right. I didn't <laughs> pretend—I didn't pretend that I had the answer to that. Right. But I—I I went out and searched for organizations that were actually doing something to address some of these different types of divides. So that was the purpose of the book, is just to demonstrate to people and build awareness about some of these organizations that are actually doing something.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. A- Andy, like when I think about if if there could be a crux to all of this, for me, what, what I see, and I'm curious what you think, like I, I see that our problem is that we don't, we're not able or we refuse to recognize the complexity of a human like background upbringing dna experiences and so i don't know if it's more convenient i don't know if it's a protective measure but we just like to put them all in a box like and and i, I i'm going to even put myself out there and maybe get my ass canceled for this one but i live in the south i know trump voters who are not the type of people that liberals would say any and every Trump voter is. There's some people that thought Trump was the lesser of two evils. There's some people that are just like, yeah, he's an asshole. I can't believe he would say he's a Christian, but you know, I kind of think our economy may, you know. And you can agree or or disagree, but there's some really good, kind-hearted <laughs> Trump voters, and I I, I love just how crazy this gets i know a musician in a black church who i had a conversation with him and he's like hey you know this is like near the beginning of of trump's uh, presidency and he's like hey dude he's like i don't understand all this anti-trump stuff he's like i kind of like the guy <laughs> you know so it's just it just goes to show People are complex. Another example that I like to give it blew my uh, my kids' minds uh, away. So my my kids are are you know on TikTok all the time. Fifteen year old daughter, thirteen year old daughter, and they saw downtown Charleston a big old truck with a big old Trump flag and a gay pride flag, and it blew their world. They were like, "What is that? What in what did I just see?" And it was a perfect time for me to say humans are complicated that you just saw something that tells you that you can't put people in boxes, like hold on to that, like grasp that, you know, take that for the rest of your life. But I mean, Andy, I mean, don't you think that's kind of the crux of, of the problem?
0: Yeah. uh, It's really, uh, it's such an interesting time that we live in and, and the dynamic Well, there's so many different forces at work for sure, and I think, probably, I, I think human beings have always tried to simplify the world through categorization. But it seems like that's that tendency has grown actually more necessary just because of the sheer volume of information that human beings are receiving at this point in history. Uh, So so the information age has actually exacerbated our need to simplify because we're 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 actually consuming more than we're humanly capable of. So I don't I don't blame the information technology for this, but it's definitely magnifying an already problematic part of our human nature that we obviously, you know, are working to overcome with at least this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think another
1: thing that's interesting is if you feel strongly about where you're coming from and you have convictions and a certain posture, if you believe strongly in those, do you really think the most advantageous way of you spreading your convictions is by yelling at the other side and telling them they're stupid? <laughs> I mean, it's like, we're losing, we're losing logic here. I'm curious, Brian, because if you, if you say uh, no to this, I lose no respect for you. If you say yes, I'm like, okay, as Brian, Jesus the second coming. Do you have, do you have people with you and some of the people that you named and maybe some of the people that you named that I'm not familiar would fall into this category. Do you have like some evangelicals who are like, Hey, you know, these are some progressive, crazy people, but I love them and we're going to do this together.
2: Well, I mean, you know, I, I hate using labels, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I don't yeah. even know, quite frankly. Right. Some Good of the point. people are, you know, in terms of their beliefs. I mean, clearly, Mako Fujimura, I believe, would would identify that way. Yeah. I think Shane would identify that way. Shane Claiborne. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I think Rich Ah, oh,
1: So beautiful.
2: You know, so, I mean, I, I didn't try to make this as one-sided maybe as what it appears to be I don't know but right. um you know I tried to get a diversity of voices from multiple dimensions yeah. you know religious politically racially you know abilities wise etc yeah gender I mean,
1: that's that's freaking unbelievable I, i'll go to you brian with what i just asked andy like what what do you think are like you know if if you had to pick the the three most problematic mindsets or postures that people have nowadays. And maybe let's just talk specifically the church. Like what, what is causing this polarity that we've just never seen at at this extent before?
2: Personally, if I think of any of the issues that are confronting us right now, quite frankly, the one to me, that's the biggest is the racial divisions I mean, part of the reason why is because that's driving a lot of the other ones, right? There's a high correlation between the racial issues and political issues, right? You know, it's pretty easy to see who's voting for why. And, you know, now they're trying to, I mean, reconcile is not the word, right word. Merge isn't the right word. They're trying to foster relationships between the two. But, you know, that's just one example of what happened across a large swath of our country yeah. in the 1800s, where, you know, there was this big separation racially that split churches into different denominations and different physical churches. yeah. So yeah. I think, you know, I mean, and this is a huge intractable, pro- intractable problem, right? right? I mean, the whole racial differences. But, you know, it is so big and does affect so many of these other divides. Political divides, religious divides, in particular, that that's the one to me that is the toughest one. Yeah. And 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 quite frankly, so ridiculously important for us to, I won't say the word solve because I mean I don't think that that's the right term to be able to apply to this. I think we just have to eat away with it and, and, and erode it and help make it so that it's not as much of a problem as it is today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like when. <laughs> When when we talk about this stuff, Andy and, and you and I have before. Like, do you do you feel like? Could you honestly say you feel hopeful? All right, back in episode three twenty five, we aired a conversation on whether or not mega churches are a good thing. Like, do they at least net? have a net good with all operations taken into consideration so on that episode i invited two of you to come on the podcast and continue this discussion on this podcast and many of you wrote us and two of you will be appearing soon to continue this conversation I'm happy about that. Thank you, guys. So here in this podcast, we pride ourselves on showing love and dignity to those who see things differently. So we want to offer grace to people even whose views irritate us, for instance. I mean, I wrote our two upcoming, uh, we'll call them listener guests, to get their feelings on coming on in the future to kind of go at it about megachurches, and they both wanted to make sure we all knew that their desires to come on the podcast aligned with our goals at Pastor With No Answers Podcast to love and respect. So here you go. It's Paul Edgar with a little message to you guys about his intentions coming on the show to discuss Mac and Churches.
0: The Pastor With No Answers Pod- Podcast isn't ready for me and neither is Brandon Daniel. Isn't that just too First names, anyway. Mega churches are a joke. While people need a mother f***ing savior, these churches are worried about how good the f***ing coffee is and making sure the speaker's Twitter handle is projected behind them. And what is this role anyway? Digital support pastor? What the hell is that? Mega churches are just a fucking anti-christ, man.
1: Ooh, okay, all right, uh, Paul. Maybe it was a little off day for you, and uh, okay. Let's hear from Brandon.
0: I'm looking forward to being on Pastor with no f-ing answers. I don't know who this Paul Edgar punk
1: is, but mega churches are kicking ass and taking motherfucking names, and that's what I'm going to do to Paul Edgar, some f-ing clown who's whining about things not being perfect. Give me a fing break. I'm ready for this, but is Paul Edgar? No. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, dad jokes. It's like a new version of dad jokes. Dad jokes back when I was a kid, my dad wouldn't include like cussing in dad jokes. But, um, Hey, watch out for the, the grandpa season of this podcast when I start telling you the same stories and feelings like once every episode or maybe even more in one episode. Like I'll just be talking about open theology, for instance, and then I just bust right up in on like Seacoast is a special place. It looks like just any run of the mill megachurch, but behind closed doors. And then I'll just I'll go right back into... But what I was saying about open theology and what it implies about God is that Seacoast, it just... It's just not like all the other churches and, and listeners are going to be like, Oh God, does he, does he do this all, all the time? And you normal listeners will be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, you got to let him get through this stuff. He, he says things about Seacoast every 10 minutes. <laughs> so, uh, oh, it's going to be a doozy, but let's hop right back into our conversation here with Brian and Andy about this what we're talking about right now not just hopeful in general not like are you a hopeful person do you feel hopeful <laughs> that we can kind of reel this in and and see some change
0: um i haven't really given much thought to that question yeah i i've recently been personally uh publicly dragged on the internet um just over what I thought were very reasonable words. Um, the, I wrote a post that simply said, it's okay if you don't deconstruct and it wasn't even a case against deconstruction. I was just trying to make a case about not manufacturing a faith crisis. If you didn't <laughs> feel the need to do that. Right. And, and uh, it was I just rolled out of bed and wrote a little essay and had no thought to whether this thing would go viral. And it did. And, um, the responses that I I was getting from people was the, the negative responses was coming from the, the progressive left. And what I, what I was witnessing was a new fundamentalism. Yeah. And it's, it's an insistence on telling a story a certain way and using words. There, there was like an allowable list of words that you could use. And, and there, there was one point when I was engaging with a person who was saying to me, shame on you, shame on you. And I didn't combat what they were saying. What I said was, you know, you're right. I concede everything that you're saying and i even received the shame onto me that you're trying to give me. and you know was so interesting it wasn't enough for that person. they they didn't even receive my concession. i i gave up i it it stopped being an argument that i wanted to win. i just wanted to basically i had to give myself over to die a little bit. not not to, yeah. not to confuse myself with anything messianic or anything but just yeah. just that that idea of dying to yourself at some point, is kind of a cr- Christological idea, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's almost, Oh, I'm well, sorry. Well, what, what, what I thought was that rational back and forth was a sufficient pathway to gaining something. And, um, but it, it did, it did make me realize that the, path to something good cannot be disconnected from language like language is very important the words we choose the words we use and and here's what i did find out in this experience that i was simply talking about something as to me banal as saying it's okay to not deconstruct, but what I was really doing was using threatening language that was really kind of poking the wound of folks that have been so abused and have had really tragic horror stories within the mainline evangelical church, and a guy like me was like making light of that situation so yeah, yeah, the learning yep. the learning process for me was hearing that you know i think right. i think a person who's writing words needs to pay attention to the way they're communicating yeah but then i i do think that there is a reactionary spirit in our age right now where people have lost the capacity to be able to hear something and then sit with it for a while before they make, you know, radical <laughs> judgments against a person.
1: I think that we walk around with some sort of a responsibility of like protecting people we love. Be- yeah, I mean, and, and that's I guess that's why I find it it, it feels like we're in an impossible situation.
2: Well, I hope impossible is not the right word, right? I, mean, I hope so, too. Know, it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> with there's, God, there's,
1: all things are possible. Oh, ye of little faith, Joey. Yes. <laughs> and, you know,
2: um, despite the fact that I wrote this or, or, or compiled this book, yeah, I don't think I'm the right person to mediate a lot of this yeah, personally because I have too much of a tendency to just, you know, say the heck with that right. and, and write off people that, I feel are, to use your word, impossible, you know what I mean, to, to change. Right. But at the end of the day, I know that that's the wrong stance for me to take. I mean, if we're ever going to make our country better, we're going to have to make it better in some way. Bring back these skills, that allow us to have civil conversations. Yeah. And so that's why I focused, you know, some of these chapters on organizations that are actually doing that. like there's a better arguments project. Yeah. There's the Colossian Forum that brings together different religious, you know, ends of the spectrum to have a civil conversation. There's another group called Three Practices that basically is training for people that disagree with each other sit in the same room and at least hear each other out, right? You know, and begin. You know, not that they have to agree, not that they have to change minds or things like that, but just have civil conversations with each other and bring back some of these skills of listening and you know rethinking. So in any event. Um, you know, I hope it's not impossible. I mean, I'm at the stage in my life where I'm not going to be around much longer, but my kids and my grandkids are. Yeah. You know, and I hate the fact of what I'm leaving them. Right. I'm a culture and a society and a country. And so whatever I can do, you know, to help make things a little bit better for them. I mean, I just feel like an intense obligation to do that.
1: Yeah. Does this book incorporate like, is, is there a game plan that you're presenting to all of us? Like here are, it, I mean, no. as advertised, no, no, no. there's this a practical, not, practical ways.
2: Is, no, this, this is not a book that gives you a how-to solution to these yeah. issues. Yeah. This, it is just trying to point people who realize that there's issues to, to a variety of different problem-solving organizations Yeah, or thoughts. Right. And the idea is like, you know, read through the book. Pick which one or multiple of them that you want to get involved in, that you feel passionate about. Which one of these types of divides are you most interested in? Within, you know, that's sphere, which one of these organizations, you know, do you think that you might, so for instance, the three practices that I mentioned, they've already had two people come to be trained as trainers to lead their discussion forums because of the book. Yeah. They didn't know anything about three practices until they read this book. And then they said, "Okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to focus on. Can you train me to be one of your trainers?" That's the kind of solution that I'm looking for. Not that right. I'm trying to prescribe a specific solution. I'm I'm not that smart. Right. But I, I'd like to <laughs> point people to people that to other organizations are actually doing things practically to help chip away at this.
1: When you guys think about the the we, we read in scripture the the body of Christ. <laughs> This is going to be kind of a weird question, but when you take a step back and you think about that, do you think of the late Rachel Held Evans is a part of the same body that Franklin Graham is in, that's in the same body that Richard Rohr's in, that's in the same body that Christine Kane's in? Like, are we this dysfunctional family? And it, it just it's just the fact of the matter. It's either that way or there's a certain type of Christian that's not legit. It's I mean, it seems like it has to be one or the other where, you know, if, if you profess Jesus, you know, let's, depending on how you read scripture, let's just pick on Romans 9, and 10. I mean, you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. If, if you do those things are, are you in the same family as other people who do those things, even though you couldn't be
0: more different or, and is that an important question? I'm I'm listening to Brian talk and I I'm as as he's talking I'm thinking about uh something I've read recently about reverence and I I want one of the faith practices one of the things I've been telling my church is that you should invest a lot of your time reading Matthew five, six, and seven, because Jesus gave us these actual things to do. It's yeah. a little bit different than my evangelical church that I was raised in, which had more of like, uh, like say this, these words of belief in Jesus and you're on your way to heaven. It was like a, anyways, I, I I'm, I'm thinking more practically these days and I'm, I am thinking about how do I approach people in at the grocery store, online, in the hallways of my church building, in my neighborhood. And um, I, I'm trying to put into this practice the idea of revering people no matter what. I, You know, in, in the American sensibility, I think the best version of Americanism is pluralism, which means that we can live peacefully with our neighbors who totally, who practice totally different religious practices than we do. Um, And so I'd like to say that in my heart of hearts, I'm a pluralist. I, 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 I can live in harmony with my Muslim neighbors, with my gay neighbors, with my redneck Trump loving neighbor, you know, and and that's, that doesn't mean full agreement. It means tolerance. I, I, I don't just tolerate their existence. I celebrate their existence and I tolerate their views that are different than mine, right? So I, I it's it's a hard practice to put into practice to revere people who are different than you, who think differently than you, especially those who are um, aggressive in their communication. And it takes time, but I think that I do think, that guys like uh Franklin Graham and Rachel held Evans and uh who's the who 's the lutheran pastor the uh, the the lady the lady Nadia Bowles, Yeah. with the tattoos i I think right, right I think all of these folks i I see them all in the body of Christ and i I call them brothers and sisters, and I know that there are evangelical friends of mine who would totally disagree with that assessment. Right. Um, and here's, here's, this is why I've gone down this journey or this pathway. I mean, my, my meta narrative, the story behind my stated belief system allows me to be very generous with people that I disagree with. I think a lot of people, are afraid of other people believing wrongly because their story of God is telling them that the most important thing is that you control what people believe because the most important thing when it comes to faith is believing the right thing at the right time. And um, that's why guys like Brian McLaren are a threat to those in the evangelical world, because what he's saying is apostasy in their eyes. Right.
1: Well, and it, and for me, it goes back and, and Brian, I, I know these are some crazy loaded questions, but I am curious here in a second, if you like, well,
2: can I, can I answer? Yes. Did, yeah, yeah. Cause there's two points I want to make about this. Yeah. But your, your first question, you know, for me drawing a line, anybody drawing a line to say you're in and you're, or, you know, I'm in and you're out. That right there is a really dangerous thing to do. First of all, which of you think that you are so perfect to make that decision, right? Right? That's God's job. That's not our job. First of all. So I think there's a huge amount of gray in all of this and degrees, right? Not just, you know, binary. The second thing I wanted to mention was something that I read by Frederick Buechner, who, I worked for a few years ago, which was incredible and impactful to me. He basically said, you know, I was trying to answer the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? So Joey, to your question, what does it mean to be a body, body of Christ? Right. You know, yeah. back to that. So he said his belief is that, you know, Jesus was trying to be a role model for us to demonstrate how to live. And people can choose to live like he demonstrated and you can call yourself anything you want to call yourself. And in fact, there's probably a lot of people out there that would not say that they're Christians, but they follow what Jesus was the role model for us. And there's probably a lot of people out there that do call themselves Christian that arguably don't necessarily really follow what he was the role model telling us, showing us what to do. So go figure, right? I mean, (laughs) you know, but that, that, really meant a lot to me that perspective of hearing he put it in writing back in the 1970s I think you know but anyway
1: yeah man I mean just just the fact Mm. that I mean and I I assume that that's where you guys would be with my weird ass question you know with the great Rachel Held Evans and 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 Franklin Graham but that that to me is uh, I mean what we're doing there is we are if, if we start with human, that's sacred ground. Like that's sacred ground. I I I built a podcast reputation with a podcast called Bad Christian that just trampled all over that sacred ground. I mean if there was uh, if if there was a, a well known Christian leader that got a divorce, we just stomped all over that person you know what a hypocrite you know why don't you at least speak out why are you telling people to honor your privacy we knew nothing about that person's story we knew nothing what was going on behind the scenes and we took a human being and we trampled the hell all over it and i think that the the issue here is when when we start with a human we start with someone made in god's image and if that's if that's our beginning point then it seems like the rest would follow but the thing that you're saying Andy, I totally resonate, but here's as, as far as the the pluralism, you and I would not feel that way though, if we maintained our belief in people who don't confess Jesus going to hell. And the reason why you and I would not feel that way, not because we hate our Muslim neighbors, because we feel responsible for their souls. And so I, that's one of the, that's one of the reasons why the the unity part seems to be so tricky because I can I can put my evangelical hat on in a second and I know exactly how they think, and it's we can't say that they're going to go to heaven because then their blood is on our hands. So for me, it it there, this conversation of unity has a lot to do with what you believe happens to people after they die. Because as an evangelical, you you can't do that, and it's not. And, and some of them, yeah, some of them are hateful, but some of them are just like I can't do that. I can't compromise my convictions when I know that it's wrong. And and it's a, it's a mess. It's a
2: mess.
0: Well, you you've hit the nail on the head because at the root of this whole conversation, at least for evangelical Christians, is your eschatology leads your soteriology, which leads your ecclesiology. So what you believe about the end. It definitely informs how you believe or what you believe salvation is, and that informs who you are as the church. That That informs, that tells you what the project of the church actually is. So for progressive Christians, the project of the church is to free the oppressed and get folks fed and get folks... Uh, you know, people without homes to get them homes, get the uneducated, educated. It becomes a social I, I, I ideal, but for evangelical Christians, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is people's eternal souls.
1: Brian chime in here. Like, do you, do you think that this is a,
2: now, this a is pretty... why I go back to that Beaker quote, yeah. what he said a minute ago. Yeah, He said, there are people out there that maybe they have never even heard of Jesus. Right. It wouldn't and wouldn't say the right words to say that he's my savior or whatever. But they're living their lives following Jesus' as Roma. Right. right. So what what's not the like about that? Who are you and I or anybody else to say that no, they're gonna go to hell. Right. I mean, it's like, excuse me. Right. You know, first of all, who gave you that, you know, right. job to make that call? Yeah. And second of all, I mean, look at all the other <laughs> Things that people are doing—they're not following Jesus, no matter what they call themselves. You know, so so I just I fall off the boat right. with this requirement, right? You know, um, but you know that's just me. <laughs> yep,
1: yep, Nope. for sure. So, how to heal our divides? Dismantling walls one brick at a time. If you go to the website, howtohealourdivides.com dot com. There's a discussion guide, there's featured organizations, there's contributors, there's a podcast, a blog.
2: And and, and how to heal our divides is not enormous by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, hopefully, as we progress, um, we'll add additional organizations to the project. We'll have a follow-on book that'll highlight another group of organizations. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully, it'll continue to grow and impact. In terms of helping people see some examples and what I hope are some role models of you know how to make our world a better place. Yeah, all I'm hoping for is that to happen.
1: We can we can close with this question, Brian. So there's a there's a little guy named Johnny right now listening to his podcast. He's he's a progressive-minded thinker, but his his Republican conservative theology thinker mom is listening to this, and she's just like there's just no way I can join forces with people that do this or believe that. And and then you got someone else listening to this podcast and said, did they just say Franklin Graham is a (laughs) part of our team? Brian, what is a good first step for someone that's like, I guess I am missing something, but it just seems so foreign to me to be one with these people that seem like foreigners. Like, What would be a good practical first step
2: well, find a way, this is my suggestion, find a way to get into a space that's safe for both sides of the argument, whatever both sides of the argument are. I mean, one of the statistics <clears throat> that is a big indicator of the whole racial divide is in the data that the uh, PRI has done, yeah. you know, roughly 75% of white people don't, have a meaningful relationship with a black person right so you probably you know say this similar kind of thing across other divides too right i mean how many republicans talk to democrats or how many democrats talk Republicans? same kind of thing right and that is part of what leads to this polarization we won't want to hang out with each other we don't want to listen to each other we don't have any any conversations if we can somehow foster some safe spaces and, and some of these organizations that, you know, are highlighted in the book, that's what they do, right? They create safe spaces where, you know, person A and person B that are from both sides of whatever divide it is we're talking about can come together and have a civil conversation. Something like that. And and, and this is a grassroots kind of a thing. It's got, I don't yeah. think we can't solve this on the Internet. We can't solve this on TV. Right. It's going to have to be each individual, you know, coming to grips with a realization that, you know, they need to be more open-minded, more generous, for lack of a better term.
1: Yeah, yep. And Andy, we'll actually probably give you the last word by playing a song of your choice that is is uh, kind of talks about this, like the the best song of yours that fits this theme. We'll play it here if that's cool with you.
0: I don't know what it is, but yes. Yeah, <laughs>